Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. Good evening. You are listening to Radio Islam at WCEV 1450 AM Chicago. I am your host, Tariq El Amin, and it is Friday. So happy Friday, Juma Mubarak. Um, you are at the best place you can be on a Friday night, Friday 6 p.m. This is Radio Islam, live call-in talk radio program, and we're on every day from 6 to 7 Central, and we reach the world by streaming live at www.wcev1450.com. And you can also log on to www.radioislam.com to see our guest bios, programming, previous shows, articles, and much more. As always, I urge you, if you haven't already done so, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Radio Islam USA. On Facebook, you can like our page at Radio Islam. If you'd like to, give us a call. We would love to have you on air, hear your opinions, your questions. And you can call us at 312-750-1178. That's 312-750-1178. Or feel free to reach us on either of the mediums that I gave you earlier. You can get to us on Twitter or on Facebook. Uh, As a matter of fact, I'm going to open up that Facebook page in just a second so I don't miss anybody. So as I said, it is Friday. So this is the end of the week for most uh, for most folk, not for everybody, but for those uh, who are ending their week, we hope that it's been a been a good week for you. Uh, and this also is the first of Muharram. Uh, we're actually about to be into the second uh, as soon as the sun sets. But this is a day, you know, this is a time of of renewal. It's a time for reflection, and it's a time for us to move away from the things that have been destructive for us. Those things where we've needed to improve in our lives and move into a in a better space, a space that reflects where we're trying to go with our lives, uh, a space that reflects the people that we're, we're trying to become. So I pray that all who are in the sound of my voice, all who are listening right now and who will listen in the future, I pray that your journey, your immigration from that which has uh, been negative to, uh, to positivity, I pray that it's successful, it's swift, and it is easy for you. God willing, inshallah. So we want to kind of do a little bit of a recap uh, this week. But first, we want to start with sharing a little bit of good news, right? It's really important. As a matter of fact, if you have some good news, if you know some some really good things that are going on, feel free to share that to, to the Radio Salaam Facebook page or tweet us, include us in that tweet because just as we point out those things where, you know, that, that we need to focus on, just as we focus on uh, things that we need to uh, address, that we need to be active on, we also want to look for those things that, that we can celebrate. You know, we, want, we need those wins. So that good news is important. Now, this is good news that is, unfortunately, that is kind of mired in uh, a history that is not necessarily, you know, good. But struggle can produce some good things. So Mississippi legislature, excuse me, the Mississippi legislature, they honored the widow of slain civil rights leader Medgar Evers for her bravery championing civil rights and race relations, even while her family lived under constant threat during their fight for voter registration and economic advancement for blacks. 
So many of you may know and some of you may not know, but uh, Mer- uh, Medgar Evers, um, his widow, you know, is Merle, Merle Edgars, uh, Merle Edver, Evers, excuse me, Williams. So Medgar Evers was assassinated, you know, in his own driveway. He was leading, he was a leading uh, figure within the civil rights movement, uh, addressing, you know, trying to, to bring voting rights. Uh, but his widow was honored. Uh, and she says, Mer- Merle Evers, well, she didn't say this, but the uh, legislature said this about her, that Merle Evers Williams saw the civil rights movement as a Christian movement, teaching love, liberation, and equality for all under the law. And it is appropriate that we acknowledge the contributions and commitment of this nationally known leader. It's according to a resolution read Monday by both legislative chambers. So that is a huge, you know, that's a win. Uh, we can't change the past, but we can we can own up to it. And we can, you know, if we're going to uh, to get the kind of the, the healing that we need, if we're going to have the conversation, productive conversations that, that we need to have today, we have to make our peace with the past. So, and I think this is one of those things that, you know, it's a sign of that. So, and hopefully there are more of those types of situations, uh, events that are to come. So, all right, so I've shared this piece of good news. Now, if you've been watching the news, um, you have probably seen former White House Press Secretary Sean Spicer, who has been making, you know, he was at the, uh, what was it, the Oscars or the Emmys? Right enough? Okay, so we don't have a lot of, we don't watch a lot of TV over here, but uh, I think it was, I think it was the Emmys. I don't know. It doesn't really matter. But he was somewhere where it was, it was a, a lot of celebrities. I think it was actors, so it might have been Emmys. But basically, it looks like, you know, they brought him out on stage and, you know, there. It looks like Hollywood is in on this makeover attempt for old Sean Spicer. Now, if you watched any of the, the press briefings, uh, you saw that some, some people described him as truculent. Some people were described him, you know, as uh, he was uh, uh, abrasive. You know, he, he had some, some bad moments. Now, when you sign up for a job like that under the type of administration that he was working in, you know, that, you know that's a choice. You know, and he was a part of issuing, you know, ushering in uh, the, the president that we have today. So, anyway, that's what I'm saying is this. Hollywood, because Hollywood is now helping him in his makeover. He's been on a few different late-time uh, talk shows. As a matter of fact, I think he was on, he was on Kimmel uh, recently. And while he was on uh, Jimmy Kimmel, uh, Kimmel pressed him, you know, and he asked him, you know, he says... Uh, if he ever lied to the American people. And he says something to the effect of, no, I never knowingly lied to the people. Uh, but then later on in the conversation, he, he kind of, you know, he kind of admitted and said that, um, he said, well, basically the press secretary's job is to convey the, to be the voice of the president, right? So it's not about whether I agree with him or not, but if this is how he feels, then that's what I have to, I have to uh, say. So what I'm thinking is, I mean, whether we're talking about crowd sizes, 
you know, that was that was a huge thing, right? The size of of the inaugural crowd, you know, that was that actually made the headlines successive days because uh, the president, you know, Trump, he wants to say that it was the largest crowd ever. And the the aerial shots, you know, told a different story Uh, from uh, from the statements that he made about the former president, uh, President Obama, wiretapping his uh, his campaign or his hotel <clears throat> or ordering that to be done with with no proof, but saying, you know, but sticking by it. And who had to be the mouthpiece for that? Sean Spicer. Right. He was he was right there to 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 to, to give the the argument, you know, to, to say it full force, you know, without blinking while everybody else looked at it. Well, I shouldn't say everybody because, you know, you have some folks who just, you know, they don't want to think. But for, for the most part, everybody else looked at it and said, this doesn't make any sense. This is ridiculous. We can't believe that you're standing in front of us and you're saying the things that you're saying. So now he's getting a makeover. And the truth is the guy's pretty much unhirable. I mean, well, by by most standards, right? I mean, he could probably find work, you know, in the, the Legion of Doom, the Outsiders, you know. But nobody who values truth is gonna is gonna is gonna come near this guy. Um, you know, you can see him in an interview, and them asking, you know, oh, thanks for coming in, uh, and they look at him and they realize who they're talking to, and it's like, okay, well, thank you. Uh, Sean, if, if that's your real name. I mean, your lies catch up with you at a certain point. And they are doing a real, real hard, hardcore job of trying to make people forget of all the, the lies that he has told um, in the name, of, uh, in the name of, of doing his job. So I'm going to share just something real quick before we transition into the uh, next se- segment who I'm really happy to have on the job, who is not playing along with this whole, you know, this new Sean Spicer, is CNN's Anderson Cooper. So he called him out recently, and I'm giving you a little piece of, a, uh, uh, of an article that's in the Huffington Post. It says, CNN's and- Anderson Cooper on Thursday called out former White House press secretary Sean Spicer for lying to the media and even lying about his lies. Cooper played a clip from earlier in the day of Spicer being asked if he had ever lied to the American people. Spicer replied, I've not knowingly done anything to do that. No, Spicer said. So that answer is so Washington, D.C., it should have its own reflecting pool, Cooper said. Just a nice, calm place where you can sit down with your word salad and think about what you've done. The CNN host went through a list of lies, including claims about illegal voting and lies about the size of the inauguration crowd, along with some of the things Spicer has said to the press since leaving the White House. Sean Spicer doesn't have to lie for a living anymore, Cooper concluded. Now he just seems to be doing it recreationally. And there's more, you know, to the... uh, to the post, but I just found that just absolutely ridiculous that we're going along with this idea that, you know, this is a new person. You know, you showed the the worst of yourself and showing up on a few 
late night talk shows, you know, and smiling or telling a joke or two doesn't change the fact that you stood by and you were the mouth, mouthpiece for lies knowingly. So that's that, um, you know, but, I, but the way this is going, it'll probably be another six months and people will have forgotten that Sean Spicer was the same one who shook his head at, I wish I could recall the name of the uh, African-American uh, woman, uh, the journalist. I think that was him. He shook his, shook his head at her and tried to chastise her. You know, this is the same guy who showed really the, the worst of himself as a professional. And, you know, he needs to make, he needs to make peace with that, not try to just sweep it under the rug and, and uh, keep moving. So we've had, um, we've had another recent first, and that is our, our president. Uh, you know, we can say he's, you know, if you want to be one of those folks who puts up the, the sign that says, you know, he's not my president, well, he's your president too, unfortunately, because uh, his actions are going to have effects on, on all Americans, not just those who voted for him. And he is, he, he recently made a, an address to the United Nations, which has been classified or uh, they basically, you know, many people have, have uh, critiqued it, saying that he has abandoned all presidential norms and standards. I believe he used the word turd in his speech. Uh, did, you, did you hear that, Ibrahim? Yeah, he said something about somebody being losers and... Uh, you know, it, it's just, it's ridiculous. But he also directly, directly antagonized, you know, another uh, world leader, you know, in, uh, Kim Jong-un. So we're going to play a segment of that, uh, of his remarks. And then, you know, let's just talk about it a, a little bit. So we're uh, going to be playing that in just a second. The United States has great strength and patience. But if it is forced to defend itself or its allies, we will have no choice but to totally destroy North Korea. Rocket Man is on a suicide mission for himself and for his regime. The United States is ready, willing, and able. But hopefully, this will not be necessary. That's what the United Nations is all about. That's what the United Nations is for. Let's see how they do. All right, uh, all right, folks. Uh, <clears throat> first, I'm going to say this, that the worst job in the world right now probably has to be being a speechwriter for Donald Trump because regardless of what you write you can pretty much rest assured that he is going to go off script and he's going to just go overlook and ignore all of your hard work he's going to just start speaking from the heart and he's going to say something that his advisors later on will most likely say, why did you say that? Or this is something that we said that we would not do. Now, 
he called another world leader, uh, a person who appears to be, at least the way he's painted in the, uh, you know, uh, in the media, he appears to have a chip on his shoulder as well. And he called him what? He called him Rocket Man. He said he's on a suicide mission, Rocket Man on a suicide mission. But that's really not the, that's not the, the big thing. The big thing is he says that we would, he said we're going to wipe North Korea off the map. Totally destroy. We would totally destroy. So we've gone past any type of a diplomatic resolution. We've gone past economic sanctions, right? We've gone past, you know, the normal, uh, the normal channels of protocols, you know, we're, we're going straight to, we're going to wipe you. No, he didn't. Oh, totally destroy. That's where, yeah, we're going to totally destroy you. So what does, I mean, what, what, what do we really expect? You know, and the reply, from what I understand, is that Kim, uh, Kim Jong-un referred to him as a, as a dotard, right, which is, you know, that's a good that's a good synonym for a, um, for a person who is not intelligent, uh, a slow-witted individual. This is not, this is not good. Uh, we were talking earlier, and my brother tells me, he says, um, well, you tell me if I'm saying this wrong. He said that you wake up sometimes or you look at the, uh, the news or or see him on television, and you're like, I can't believe he's president, you know. Uh, and, and, and there are a lot of people who think this. And this is, not, this is not people feeling like, you know, they can't make peace with the fact that the person that they wanted to win didn't win. I mean, somebody, somebody's going to win, somebody's going to lose. You know, that's, that's politics. But the American people should not be the one to lose. And in this situation... It really feels like the American people are the one, uh, the ones who have lost. Even the ones who think that they were voting in their own interest, they are on the the, the precipice. They are on the the verge of losing the things that they think they were voting for. Uh, this health care, this issue which keeps being drug around the the Obamacare, the American. Uh, um, the health care, you know, the, that, that uh, President Obama put into effect is on the verge of they're doing everything they can to neglect it to the point that it does implode. That's, that's the whole desire, right? Instead of, instead of uh, doing what they can to bolster it, to make it more uh, viable, to help it, right, so that it can serve the people. They would rather see it fall. They would rather see... Uh, to get a, a you know a political win, but that political win is going to alter, it's going to alter the quality of people's lives, right? So the American people, you know, we really have, we have really lost more than we may realize, because our statesmen, our the the person that's supposed to represent us, you know, to the world, is going in front of. The, uh, the community of world leaders and threatening violence on another nation. 
you know, it's, but then I go back to, you know, not necessarily lighthearted, but, you know, you, you find humor in, in everything, you know, and I think that's kind of, that's kind of the way that we, uh, you know, we process things. I just think about those poor speech writers because this, this man continues to get up and they keep saying that he can't stay on message. You know, and so that's, that's, that's a thankless job. Uh, and that's probably something that, you know, if you spent six months or a year doing, once you've left, you probably just, you know, you'd almost rather say you were locked up in prison as opposed to tell people that you spent a year writing speeches for, uh, for this man because, you know, the, the, the latter is probably better. You know, tell them you, you took a gap year because there's no proof. There'd be no proof that you actually wrote a speech for him because he wouldn't have said any of them. Right? It was just, you know, he, he gets up and he, and he freestyles. So that's, that's, that's that. that. That's where we are. Um, we're not going to let it depress us, but, you know, it is where we are. And, you know, hopefully we, we'll, we'll do better. Uh, we'll re, reevaluate where we are and, you know. So don't, don't get depressed, folks. Don't get depressed. So this is Radio Islam. Um, you can give us a call. This is Friday night, you know. I think we're all, well, those who are ending their work, work week are unwinding a little bit. But give us a call, 312-750-1178. Let us know how you plan to go into this weekend. We will see you in just a second. We'll take a quick break, and we'll see you in just a second. forest animals kids are coming to the forest and it's up to us to make their visit a good one sparrow have you practiced the most popular bird songs for the year of course catchy i like it river how's the temperature it's a refreshing 52 degrees man i love it uh turtle he's not here yet man Uh, he's late every morning okay squirrel the forest has been preparing just for you to learn more about cool things to do in the forest visit discovertheforest.org brought to you by the u.s forest service and the ad council I knew I was stuck at this kid's house for the night, but those guys snuck up on me to try and pull the hand in a bowl of warm water trick. Well, that was enough for me. I went downstairs to sleep in the basement, even though it was pitch black. I left my sleeping bag upstairs, and that was a mistake, because it was freezing. I think it was probably the longest night of my life. To read more about the sleepover, check out Diary of a Wimpy Kid, The Last Straw, by Jeff Kenny. Explore new worlds and check out more cool books at your local library, and visit read.gov. Brought to you by the Library of Congress and the Ad Council. Radio Islam, the nation's first daily live call-in talk radio show produced by Muslims for the mainstream market. Radio Islam, on the air since 2004 because of your generosity. Radio Islam salutes its most valuable asset, you, our listener. From our producers to our interns, we appreciate your support. Thank you. This is a guided meditation on parenting. Take this time to breathe deeply and close your eyes. 
Right now, you're completely in control. Unlike the time you and your son played basketball and you attempted to slam dunk. Or when you tried removing those raccoons from the basement. Concentrate on the soothing sound of my voice. Release the memory of when you wrestled with that beehive in your son's treehouse. Let go of the time you thought that skunk was a cat. Or when you pulled into the garage with your son's bike on top of the car. Deep breaths. Deep breaths. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. There are thousands of teens in foster care who don't need perfection. They need you. For more information on how you can adopt, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt U.S. Kids, and the Ad Council. Welcome back. Welcome back. You are listening to Radio Islam live on WCEV 1450 AM Chicago. We also stream live at www.wcev1450.com. Remember, you can go to radioislam.com and see guest bios, get information on former shows, our hosts, producers, see upcoming events, all that good stuff. Right at radioslime.com. I think I mentioned to you yesterday that we are still in the uh, process. We're doing some. We're doing some uh, some fine tuning. Right. We're we're rearranging some some new things. You know. We're we're doing some some new exciting stuff that is a uh, that is in the pipeline. Inshallah, with God with God's permission. So yeah, and make sure you know you're following us on Facebook. As a matter of fact, I'm gonna check our Facebook page really quickly to see if we have anybody who has, who has joined us or threw a shout out at us. But while I'm looking for that, I'm going to also share with you. Uh, so I was the, uh, I was the Khatib today over at uh, Iman here in Chicago. And, you know, alhamdulillah, all praise be to God, you know, things went, I, I discharged my duty. I did what I was supposed to do there. But the highlight of the day there for me was uh, being able to listen to uh, Dr. Ingrid Mattson, uh, a recognized, a well-known scholar, uh, many of you. Uh, if you don't know who she is, uh, she spoke after the khutbah was over, and she just she shared a few words. So if you don't know who she is, I'll just share really quickly. Uh, Dr. Matson was educated in Canada and the United States, earning a Ph.D. from the University of Chicago in 1999. From 1998 to 2012, she was professor of Islamic studies at Hartford Seminary in Connecticut, where she developed and directed the first accredited graduate program for Muslim chaplains in America and served as director of the McDonald Center for the Study of Islam and Christian-Muslim Relations. From 2001 to 2010, Dr. Matson served as vice president, then as president of the Islamic Society of North America, ISNA, USA, the first woman to serve in either position. Her writings, both academic and public, focus primarily on Quranic interpretation, Islamic theological ethics, and interfaith relations. Her book, The Story of the Quran, is an academic bestseller 
and was chosen by the U.S. National Endowment for the Humanities for inclusion in its bridge, Bridging Cultures program. So for those of you who don't know who she, who she is, that's just a little bit about her. Um, I, I honestly could go on. Uh, there's quite a bit more, but I just want to give you a little bit of point of reference. So uh, when she got up to speak afterwards, um, uh, and whenever, you know, learned folks uh, of, of, of that stature get up to speak, I make sure that I pull out my pen and pad. So I'm just going to share with you a few of the things that, you know, a few of the gems that, um, that, that came out of that, that brief uh, presentation that she gave. So we're talking about the idea of, you know, today, well, as the sun is going down, it's still up. We haven't quite hit sunset. But of today being, you know, the first of uh, Muharram, uh, this uh, the Islamic New Year, and it it being uh, its significance um, being that the the Muslim community from Mecca, you know, its immigration, you know, from Mecca to Medina, you know, the Hijra, the journey, uh, that is the beginning of our the Islamic calendar, right? But she says something that was really really profound. She said. Being Muslim doesn't mean leaving where we are. Right? I'm saying it again. Being Muslim doesn't mean leaving where we are. Right? Being Muslim, she says, be Muslim in the places we live uh, and make something beautiful where you're at. And this is, this is particularly important, especially in places where people have this idea that there is, a, there is this utopia there's this ideal setting to live this, this Muslim life. I want to go to live in a Muslim, quote-unquote, quote Muslim country, right? I want to go somewhere where I feel like, um, you know, things are better. I have more opportunity. And her point, which it really hit me, because even, even here in a, in, a, in a big city like Chicago, and it may be, you may find things uh, similar where you are. Uh, you may not, right? But if you do, you understand that sometimes where we are, there are challenges. You know, there, there are obstacles. You know, there are uh, impediments to what we feel like is the, the best expression of, of a healthy life. And we say, you know what? You know, I don't, I don't want to live here. I don't want to raise my family here. You know, and... I'm going to move. I'm going to find a community somewhere else and I'm going to leave. And whatever those, those struggles are, whatever they are, whether it's crime or, you know, it's economic, uh, environmental, whatever the situation is that makes you feel like, I can't stay where I'm at. I have to leave. She's saying, make something beautiful where you are. Right? There are times, you know, there are times where we do have to leave because things you know, things are, we don't have the agency, we don't have the, the ability or the resources to really make the kind of impact that we, that we want to. There, there are times where people have to leave. And that's something that, you know, Allah, that God tells us in, in the uh, Quran, that the earth is spacious. Right? But leaving should not be, it shouldn't be the first thing that comes to mind. Right? What, what should first come to our mind is the idea that you know, that we're going to be engaged in the society, that we're going to be a part of, a real part of the solution, and that we'll be qualified 
not just aware of, but will be qualified to address these different areas, whether it's political, whether it's economic, you know, whether it's uh, educational, whatever the, the area it is, whatever the area is, that we be qualified and we have the, the sufficient skill to, to have impact, to offer leadership, to participate in beautifying, you know, to beautif in beautifying the, uh, our communities. So I thought that was really, uh, really uh, important. And I, I thank you, uh, Dr. Ingrid Madsen, for, for sharing that with us. And she also mentioned something else that I thought was really uh, timely. She said, injustice is, uh, is affecting people that thought they would never be tried with the trials that they are facing right now. You know, there are people now who, you know, folks, may, they may have uh, substantial amounts of, you know, of, of money or financial, you know, resources. But in this climate, being, af being afflicted with maybe, uh, you know, they, they, they have beautiful homes in, in ideal locations, but those homes are wiped out. You know, those homes are, they, they suffer the, the same ravages of, of the weather that, you know, that's affecting others, you know, around the world. Or, you know, um, you could have money, but if you, have, if you go through a, you know, if you, if you have the wrong medical situation and you, you know, that, just the, the, wrong, the wrong health uh, scenario, could, can, can literally can, can wipe you out, even with millions. So she says, even people who thought that they would be insulated, they never thought that they would uh, be the, the recipient of some of the trials that they are, they are also being affected. So I just thought I would, I would share those uh, few points with you. Uh, but we do have, let's see, actually we do have, uh, we've got a few... I think we got a few comments here. So I want to share those with you and maybe and, and urge you to, you know, let us know you're listening. All right, we, we got a comment here. Let's see. Okay, alhamdulillah. We'll we'll we'll, we'll give a shout out to this. Um our brother uh, Abdullah Shizgar says you're attending we asked, uh, we, we put a post up on our Facebook account asking what are your plans, you know, how are your weekend shaping up? He says he's attending the Javed Ramdi's lecture at Naperville on Saturday. Uh, he's a well-known scholar from Pakistan. We'll be spending time with family and friends, inshallah. Alhamdulillah. I will, uh, I'm going to reply back to him in a second. And while I do that, we're going to queue up for just a, a short break. We, you can reach us, as I said, at 312-750-1178. That's 312-750-1178. Or give us a shout right on uh, Facebook, right? Radio Islam, give us a shout there. This is Radio Islam, and we will be back in just a moment. You're so annoying. You're so annoying. Stop copying stop me. Stop copying me. Mom, tell her to stop copying me. Mom, tell her to stop talking to me. Kids will spend 10 minutes copying everything their sibling says. You're such a You're doofus. You're such a doofus. How about two minutes to brush their teeth? 
Brushing for two minutes now can save your child from severe tooth pain later. For fun two-minute videos to watch while brushing, visit 2min2x.org. Two minutes, twice a day. They have the time. Mom! Mom. A message from the Partnership for Healthy Mouths, Healthy Lives, and the Ad Council. When... Radio Islam now presents Marked in Time with historian Faraz Al-Khatib. Assalamu alaikum. So this is the final week to sign up for health care coverage under the Affordable Care Act, also known as Obamacare. The goal is to get everyone signed up for health insurance so that in case you have any medical problems, you'll be taken care of. The idea of providing free health care for an entire population is not new. Over 1,000 years ago, Muslims built hospitals that provided free health care for the poor. These hospitals were very advanced and not much different from hospitals today. For example, at the beginning of the 11th century, there were five major hospitals in Baghdad. They each had surgery centers, psychiatric wards, nursing homes, outpatient centers, and many other things you'd find in hospitals today. The doctors and nurses who worked at these hospitals had to take licensing examinations before they were allowed to practice. And the works of great Muslim physicians like Ibn Sina and Az-Zahrawi served as the textbooks for medical students in the Muslim world as well as in Christian Europe. The treatment and research these hospitals provided were no doubt very costly. Much like hospitals today, attracting the most talented doctors and doing cutting-edge research requires a lot of money. But unlike hospitals today, medieval hospitals in the Muslim world almost always provided free health care to those who could not afford it. The Ahmed ibn Tulun Hospital, founded in 872 in Egypt, for example, was established with an endowment of 60,000 gold coins by the governor of Egypt so the patients would not have to worry about covering the hospital's expenses. In Baghdad, many hospitals would not only treat patients for free, they would even give them some gold coins upon their release to make up for any work they may have missed during their hospital stay. Making sure that everyone has access to health care, regardless of wealth, is indeed an important part of a functioning society, and it was Muslims who pioneered this idea hundreds of years ago. Join us next week for another episode of Marked in Time at Radio Islam. I'm historian Firas al-Khatib. Assalamu alaikum. Allahu Akbar Allahu May the peace that only God can give be upon you. Welcome back. This is Radio Islam, a live call-in talk radio program airing every day, 6 to 7 p.m. Central on 1450 WCEV on the AM side of the dial, just in case you forgot where you were. Remember, you can always go to RadioIslam.com to check out guest bios and uh, former stories we've done. Actually, there are even articles there as well. Uh, and I mentioned earlier that we are continuing to, we're, we're doing a little bit of, uh, well, it's not springtime, but we're doing a little bit of fall cleaning. Um, we're revamping some things with the site. And we hope that you like 
the end result, what we come up with. So, folks, Radio Islam family, it is Friday. As we said, we've, you know, we've kind of milled around, bounced around a few different things, talked about a few things in the news, uh, shared with you a little bit of the, uh, you know, the, the insights given by one of our uh, respected scholars. Uh, now, we want to go ahead and let you know about a few things that are going on this weekend. Um, I just shared with one, you know, I was happy to see that, you know, our brother Abdullah, he shared with us what he's getting into this weekend. Uh, and I told him what I'm doing. Uh, so, and I'll share with you. So, um, the Cook County State's Attorney, they have a, every year, they have a victim's memorial. They've been doing this for over 20 years. You know, and this really, it's important for those people who have lost loved ones to violence because um, we had the Cook County State's Attorney, uh, Kimberly Fox, on earlier this week. And one of the things that we talked about in that conversation was that these are people, you know, but unfortunately because the, the pace of information, uh, the pace of life, it being so fast, we go from one story to the next, these people whose lives are taken, these brothers, these sisters, mothers and fathers, sons and daughters, you know, these people are reduced to numbers, right? So we, we hear on a Monday morning, uh, especially if you're in a, a large urban center like Chicago, you know, uh, which is half of, just about half of Cook County, you know, you hear there were, you know, 20 people were killed over the weekend. 20 people or 25 people or this number of people got shot. But you don't hear about the names. You don't hear how these people were, you know, they were loved. You don't hear about how this was the person who helped their younger siblings with their homework at the end of the day. You don't hear that this was the person who mowed their neighbor's grass, their elderly neighbor's grass, you know, you don't hear that this was a person who took time out of their day to check in, you know, uh, check in on the children next door because their parents had to work two jobs. So their, their children had to be, you know, home alone. We don't hear what makes these people, you know, people. And that is, that is a part of what this Victims Memorial uh, does. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a space for us to recognize the humanity that, that, a, that a person was taken away. There's a ayat, a verse in the Quran, and it was uh, instruction given to the children of Israel. And it, it basically states, it says that whoever takes the life of an innocent person, it is as if they have taken the life of a whole nation. And whoever saves the life of an individual, it is, if, it is as if they have saved the life of an entire nation, right? And we don't, we don't think like that when we read the headlines, right? When we see these headlines that 20 people died over the weekend. As a matter of fact, a lot of times, just because of the way we've been sensitized uh, to the media, you know, and, and how the subtext of race and poverty and, and these things, how they, they come together, and they give us sometimes an impression that those people that were killed, that have had their lives taken from them, somehow 
they got what was coming to them. Or somehow they were in the wrong or somehow these were bad people. Right? And, and, and it's not to say that, you know, we're bad people because these kind of thoughts come to mind. It just means that the way information has been presented to us over time, it has affected the way we respond, right? It's a, you know, there's a, there's a design to that. There's a system to that. Um, so this victim's memorial, it's, it's a huge, it's a huge uh, endeavor. Uh, and I, I, I take my hat off. I take my kufi off. Ha <laughs> ha. I take my kufi off to the, um, to the, to the state's attorney's victims uh, support unit that has been putting this on for, I believe, over 20 years, right? Because it lets the family members that are, that are left behind, it lets them feel a sense of, um, of, of validation. It lets, it lets people, it lets them feel like they're being seen, you know, they're being heard. Uh, and, and it's an opportunity for folks to come together and, and, to, and to support one another, right? So I'm going to be, there. That show is a whole lot, I just see it, just to say this, but uh, my weekend plans. But yeah, so I'll be there uh, tomorrow morning at the House of Hope. It's, I can't give you the exact address, but it's like 115th right off of uh, the Bishop Fort for those folks who are in, uh, in the Chicagoland area uh, and who may have lost people to violence. Uh, you are welcome uh, to attend. Program begins at 11. I'll be giving the opening and closing, uh, closing prayers. Uh, and, you know, and we pray that it's a healing event for those who are in attendance, right? Uh, next thing I'll be doing is, uh, so from there, I'll be headed over to Moraine Valley um, for the uh, CLGC, the Council, uh, an Islamic, Council of Islamic Organizations of Greater Chicago. They are having a youth expo. They've got speakers. They've got uh, art exhibitions. They've got a spoken word competition. They've got different booths and vendors that will be set up. Uh, as a matter of fact, their keynote speaker is uh, uh, Ustad um, Usama uh, Cannon. Uh, definitely a recognized uh, and much you know, appreciated uh, a scholar, uh, activist within the community, uh, the founder of uh, the Ta'lif Collective. Uh, they do some amazing work. Shout out to uh, the brother uh, Mike Swice over there who is uh, integral in, in, in making that uh, such a vibrant part of uh, Chicago's Muslim landscape. Um, so, yeah, he's a keynote speaker. Um, that brilliant woman I told you all about the other day, uh, the one I married 17-plus years ago, uh, she's also on the panel, Dr. Aisha Lamin, uh, a good, uh, beautiful brother, uh, DePaul's uh, chaplain, um, Sheikh um, Abdul Malik Ryan, he'll be. Uh, he's also on the panel. And forgive me, the other panel. Oh, who else? Oh, uh, Loyola's chaplain, beautiful brother, uh, Omar Mozaffer. Um, yeah, I, I can put Sheikh in front of his name, you know, as well. Uh, but yeah, so. And they have, I think, two, two, or two other folks on there. So that's going on. I'll be judging the spoken word and arts competition. Looking forward to it. As a matter of fact, we really tried. It was kind of last minute. We tried to get the, um, 
one of the performers, a couple of the performers to come in and sit with us. Because what we want to do, uh, and I'm going to just, I'm putting this, putting this out there, is that we want to have a space where we can encourage and support our young artists, our young, young and old, right? Young and young at heart. Uh, some of you may have heard, you know, also, you know, I'm also a spoken word artist as well, but we want to support our younger artists uh, and young at heart. We want to support them and, and give them a platform to come in and, and sit with us on a, on a pretty regular basis. And Friday nights is always a good night to sit down and have some conversation and unwind and, and, and hear what's going on in their minds uh, because uh, Radio Islam, we want to be a, a space that's relevant for, for, the, for the whole life, for the whole community life, uh, life. You know, we can talk about politics, we can talk about social activism and humanitarianism, but we also want to talk about those things that, you know, uh, that strengthen our humanity, the arts, you know, uh, the theater. We want to talk about Islam as well. You know, we'll have those conversations. But we know we have a diverse audience. We have uh, Muslims. We have non-Muslims that listen. So we, we hope that it's a benefit. We, we try to come from a perspective that reflects, you know, who we are as Muslims, but, you know, we're people. Right, we're real people. So that's what I'm getting into. Oh, on Sunday, fourth Sunday, um, at the Irfanbaha Cultural Center, um, Sister Kalima, I'm sorry, did I say Kalima? Sister Rashida, Sister Rashida Aziz. She's giving a, an address um, that's going to be Sunday at the Irfanbaha Cultural Center, 2525 West 71st Street. I think doors open at noon. So that's the weekend. So the weekend will be gone before we know it. We'll be right back here Monday night. You know, alhamdulillah, all praise due to, uh, all praise due to Allah, all praise due to God. And, uh, but my brother Abdullah, so, you know, he, he kicked this whole segment off because he was nice enough to share with us what he and his family will be doing. And uh, we hope you have a, a great, great weekend uh, if you're listening right now. Um, if you're listening later, we hope you had a great weekend, and we hope all of you all have a great weekend. Oh, and there's also, I would be remiss if I did not mention, there's also going to be another rally for, um, and I think this rally, I can't recall the, uh, the organizers of the, of the rally, but that probably is secondary to the cause of the rally. So the cause of the rally, the purpose of it, is once again is to uh, to bring awareness to the uh, genocide that is taking place in Burma. Um, the uh, the mass killing uh, of the uh, Rohingya, um, you know, uh, native peoples uh, in Burma. So there's going to be another. As a matter of fact, I'm going to put the information up on our Facebook page. I'll put the. Uh, I'll put the, the flyer up on our Facebook page because for the life of me, I cannot remember exactly where it's at, but I know it's going on Saturday, and I think it's going to be around 1 o'clock. You got it? Oh, go ahead. Yeah, all right. Good. Ibrahim is going to jump in here for me. Yeah, it will be, uh, inshallah, tomorrow, Saturday, September 23rd from 1 to 3 p.m. at the Plaza of the Americas, which is off the Hubbard Street overpass here in downtown Chicago, north of the river. Um, it is being done by the Rohingya Cultural Center of Chicago, okay. which is located on the north side. All right. Thank you so much. Much appreciated. See, teamwork makes a dream work, people. Remember that. That's, that was the whole point of this show, right? 
to that moment right there. Teamwork makes your dream work. All right, alhamdulillah. So uh, once again, we thank you all. You know, we thank you for taking the time to spend with us. Uh, we hope that you have a, a great weekend. Uh, even if you haven't already shared your weekend plans with us, go to, the, go to the Facebook page and let us know how you spent your weekend, right? Tell us what, you know, what you did. If you volunteered somewhere, you know, if you, you know, took the family out, family out for a walk, uh, you and your brothers and sisters, you know, had a, you know, you sat around playing Monopoly, whatever, you know, just let us know how you all are living your weekend, right? But we pray that you have a, a great one. Pray that, you know, Allah's protection is on you um, because, you know, there is no protection like Allah's protection. You know, you have, you have God's blessing on you. There's nothing that can, there's nothing that can touch you, right? So, let me give you our closing credits. Are we ready for our closing credits? Okay, yeah. So our engineer at WCEV tonight was, who was? I didn't see it. Leonard. All right. Big shout out to you, Leonard. Thank you for holding things down for us at WCEV. Hope you have a great weekend, all you guys over there. Um, our executive producer tonight, Abdul Malik Mujahid. And we pray for his safe arrival back. Uh, I think he might be leaving from over in Bangladesh right now. Uh, but wherever he's at, you know, our prayers are with you and all those with you. Engineer, extraordinaire, Ibrahim Baig. I like the way that sounds. Huh? That's pretty good there. Engineer extraordinaire. Yeah, Ibrahim Baig. My man. All right. And I am your host, uh, sometimes producer, Tariq Alameen. Always your brother. Tariq Elamine, remember that. Um, get to us on Facebook. Remember Radio Islam. Let us know how the weekend went. What else do I want to tell you before we leave? Because we, we, we have this until 7. We're going to take it all the way to 7. No. <laughs> no. We're not going to leave out that. So, uh, as always, we, got, we have to give this uh, disclaimer. The, uh, the thoughts, words of the, the speakers and guests are always... Uh, should be attributed to them and not to Sound Vision. Um, guys, we pray that you have a, a great weekend. And I'm going to leave you as I greeted you with Assalamu Alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. <laughs>